Okay, you ready? I'm ready. So lay it on me. Lot a lot has happened since the last time that we came onto this glorious podcast and graced all of those millions of ear holes. Five star ear holes. Five star ear holes. Um, a lot of good, a lot of bad, mostly bad. You know, <laughs> um, <laughs> way to look at the bright side. <laughs> but you know what is always true? We're here. We're queer. Now give me my entertainment. Where's the music? Is it this one? I think so. Give me that entertainment. Yeah, now that's the entertainment I was talking about. Entertainment? Yep. So what I was saying about bad, I mean, I hate to start off on this, but lots of stupid things have gone on in the world, in the world of Twitter. I mean, I've never before in my whole lifetime seen anything like the decline of Twitter. My personal quick take is I don't have a, I I am not in any way capable of speaking to what's happening. It's just that it's happening. That's how I feel about it. And it's an absolute dumpster fire. How's your perfect Twitter timeline doing? I literally broke Twitter. I would just like to stay for the record. You know, Matias Meno, you know, when when Uh you speak something, uh, speak up something so well that you then get the the curse, the evil curse, and then you need to have a Greek um, grandma. Yeah, the evil eye. Yeah, and the Greek grandma does the little, like, Oil and the, and the oil and oil, uh, no oil in the water, oil in the water, and, the and then cross. where does it go, right? And yeah, and then you do a little cross symbol across someone's forehead and you cure them of this curse. I think I ended up cursing Twitter and no one did the reverse Matias Mano curse to me. Oh, I and know I what happened. Think that's I why, it up. that's why Elon was bringing the sink in. He was about to do Matias Mano in the sink. Yeah, that's exactly it. I knew there was a reason behind it other than foolishness. Yeah. And ultimately, like I said, I'm not one to speak for what, why or how or whatever is happening. I just know it's happening. And I and I literally stated maybe five or six podcasts ago how I literally have the perfect Twitter timeline. 16 years of algorithm uh, awareness, curation. curation, all those people who work to protect my safety uh, to, to give me the news that I want to see and it's all now gone. And I will state for the record as well, there is a very discernible difference between my Twitter timeline now than there was before the takeover. And it's now officially in my mind. Broken. You know, I'm, I'm one minute away. By the time this goes into your ear holes, I might have likely deleted my Twitter account, what I'm waiting for, and listen to this interesting thing, I went and I asked for my account to be archived so that I can have the data from it. Yeah. And it says 24 hours. It has been three days. You know why? No one's probably doing that job. No one is probably there doing that job. So now I'm just waiting, and the moment it happens, I'm going to deactivate my Twitter. And I'm, I'm just, I'm beside myself over it. You know, what... Um, I mean, this does constitute entertainment, so it's fair game for us to talk about Twitter. Speaking of, who are we? What do we do here? We said we're going to introduce ourselves more. 
Oh, yeah. My name is Chris. I'm Elias, and we just kind of talk about air, uh, air streamers. That's the name of our podcast. Welcome to the Airstreamers podcast. We talk about entertainment that we've consumed over the past week or so, and in this case, maybe two weeks, because we haven't been around in two weeks. But what I'm really sad about, you know, other than... So obviously all the people who lost their jobs at Twitter, that's like, it's heartbreaking because I mean, those people were passionate, I'm sure about their careers. Twitter was like, a, am sure a coveted job at some point. I think and, up until a month ago it was coveted. And then um, even more so, I'm like, because those people are talented, they'll find a new job like. The, the people who are in technology and social media, like I'm sure they'll get placed somewhere, but like the people who built their businesses on Twitter, the people who are working in companies who do Twitter management, um, social media hired. management, they get, they get hired, hired to that. manage the Twitter account. Yeah. Like what happens to them? All and because somebody like is coming a, in and a a man baby yeah. is coming in and like playing with a toy. Literally. He's in a sandbox and he's just he the sandbox is filled with sand. All of those sand particles represent all of the people involved in Twitter and all the, the mechanics of Twitter. And he's sitting there with a little shovel and he's just pushing it in, lifting it up in the air. And doing it again, and then just crying the whole time. Wow, yeah, yeah. why is yep. he not doing what I want to do? A hundred percent. That's what's happening. And, and you know what? Like, uh, I mean, I don't know. I don't. I don't think anybody should have that amount of money that they can come in and do this sort of thing. Um, but I wonder now, like, is he successful, or was he in at the right, like, in the right place at the right time? Like, is he successful because he's qualified and good? I'm sure there's some element of that. But in the fact that you come in and you spend $44 billion and in three weeks totally demolish a company, its reputation yeah. and everything, make all of these empty promises where it's like what he's doing and then he just goes back on it it's just really confusing to me it is it's something that like you said i don't think anyone should have that much money to be able to wield that much power it should not be that money equates to that and there's an element of this that's what's even more frustrating twitter for me i never really tweeted much however it elevated lots and lots and lots of voices and was a place, a safe place for the most part, where people across multiple social movements were allowed to to, to have a space, essentially. Um, we saw that in the Black Lives Matter movement, most of all, that, that absolutely took off. There was also elements of... Uh, Reports of, of um, you know, when COVID happened, you were able to track what was going on through localized tweets. There was a lot of things that came out on Twitter that made us realize we get our news in a different way. And what's ironic is that I think Elon is now trying to argue that that is the new wave of the future, which is how he's implementing it. But like, 
Hello. It's been that. It's been that, and it's been curated, and it's been verified. All of these things have happened. Yeah, what so, was like, confusing to me is the whole pay the $8 thing, which was like, he was just, now give me my $8. Like, that was just stupid. stupid. Absolutely stupid. Uh, and, and then, then when they came up with the not with the next uh, like, verification system, yeah, where it was verified became official, which was the gray check, yeah. and then blue verified was just anybody could pay to get anyone that. who has eight dollars. And that he's his whole argument was, let's make verified uh, widespread. And that the like we're done with the lords and peasants, mm. and he literally was doing that. He was just charging people eight dollars to be on the platform. That's it. Yeah, that if you want to have the the if you want to elevate your voice, pay me eight dollars. How is that democracy? How is that like his argument of what democracy should be? And then the the way he speaks, generally speaking, for me is very much about. Uh, the same vibe I get when Trump speaks. It's the same exact. Yeah, argument. it's really condescending, and I'm better than you. That's and and what, when the other day he's he he's now revealed to be back on the platform, and then all these other horrible, horrible people are back on the platform that are spewing hate and misogyny and homophobia and all of these things that anti-Semitism, anti-Semitism, and all of this was done for a reason. It wasn't done for no reason. It was done for a reason. And the fact that it's put up to a stupid poll on Twitter, like, oh, look how cool I am. I get to do a poll. Oh, your poll suggests that you want Trump back? Sure, okay, let's bring Trump back. Like it's this new age of democracy or something. Get out of here. That is absolutely insane to me that his followers on Twitter who got to see that poll were the ones who got to vote. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's not. It's absolutely ridiculous. It blows my mind that this is a thing, and it frustrates the absolute hell out of me. Well, on mad. a positive note, I'm going to say that I have uh, curated the perfect Instagram timeline, and it better not go away because I have a really nice mix of food, vegetarian recipes, cats, friends, um, technology, and like, I really need him to stop shopping for social media companies because I don't want him to destroy Instagram. Instagram also, Instagram. <laughs> Instagram. Uh, yeah, I mean, listen, if Instagram goes, the whole Muskrat Nation is gone. I know. You know? Can you imagine if this happened to Muskrat Nation, like to Instagram? It's like, what do you do? And then all these people are like, let's move to Mastodon for like a day. No, I want to say about a week. It was, we are going to Mastodon. That's that's the new place. Until people realize Mastodon is essentially like, um, like chat rooms more so than it is like a timeline. And then everyone's like, wait, 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 come back, come back, come back, come back. We are not going to Mastodon. We're going to Hive. And then when Hive was out for a day, when people were going on Hive, then everyone was like, wait, 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 did you hear about the the the, the owner of Hive? He's bad. So something bad happened. And then like some mystery is around who the, the owner is. And now everyone's like, where do, what do we do? Where do we go? <laughs> what? You know I what I mean? not 
privy to any of that. But that's what you get when but- you do something follow <laughs> when you do follow something like Twitter. And I think what's fascinating to me at this moment in time, there is truly no Twitter competitor. There is nothing that exists on the internet that could be just a replacement for Twitter. So if someone is out there out of our million followers who is the one to make this happen, now's your time to strike. We will be your first and second members of your program. But as, assuming that you can curate a perfect timeline for Elias. No, I, I'm i going Or you in, have to per, curate it. I need to curate it. It's going to take a while to curate if it's back again, you know? It's real wild and, and wacky. I hate it. And, uh, yeah. So, listen. I would like to move on to some entertainment that's actual entertainment. Yeah, let's talk about um, what you want to talk about because I am living for this show. Yes. The show is White Lotus on HBO. It is season two, and it's written and directed by Mike White, who is a Survivor player, and it's just so He didn't win, funny. did he, Survivor? I don't think that he won. Um, I don't think he won either. I just crack up knowing that that guy that we watched on that season is the writer and director of this show that's brilliant. It is beautiful shot, uh, beautifully shot. The music is chef's kiss. Uh, the acting is remarkable. The actors are remark- remarkable. Sorry if that was a burp on... on. Uh, I think it was a burp. Podca- on the podcast. Clip that. <laughs> it's forever going to live on in the podcast. Um, but yeah, this show, there's so much fun stuff to talk about. And I don't even know if it's fun. I think I hate everyone on the show. But you know what? It's still you know, entertainment. I, I'm curious. So what's interesting is, I mean, writers who make these shows have some life experiences that are going to influence the storytelling that they make. And I wonder how much Survivor influenced his decision to write White Lotus. Because it is very much, um, there are these like small social battles that happen in the show that are very reminiscent of a Survivor playing the game on the back end. Setting is also, I would say, very Survivor-esque, but in a nice setting like they're always in these very tropical areas uh, and i'm mm. saying always as in seasons one yeah. and two <laughs> but i'm like i'm curious like how much is he leaning into the some of those memories that he has to build up the the storyline in I'm white lotus fascinated by that line of thinking chris that's super cool and i never thought about that at all um i uh, now i'm also curious about that and we should have mike white on the show yeah absolutely let's invite him i'll dm him and uh or reach out to him on twitter yeah before, yeah, it, burns, before it burns you know so tell us a little bit while i get my mic situated because it's a little bit wonky tell us what the show is about what is white lotus the white lotus i think is what it is so there's been two seasons of it so far. Um, it, it's pretty much a story of what goes on when people stay at a luxury resort and the relationships that are formed and the drama that ensues from it. And it could be anything. I mean, it could be a relationship drama. It could be um, death in Murder. season, in season yeah. one. Um, it could be stories about the staff interacting with uh, with the 
the guests. It's just really interesting. And it's um, at least this season, last season was a little bit higher stakes. This season is, a, I feel, a little more subdued. Um, but it's an, a nice watch. Totally. It's, like I said before, beautiful to look at first and foremost. And I can't get enough of the words, the dialogue, the way that they're spoken. There's lots of like double meanings in things. There's lots of really high level smart writing. There's lots of random stuff. Even one of my favorites when um, uh, Jennifer Coolidge walked by She's the man, so good. the Italian man, and he like mumbled something and she just turns to her assistant and is like, that's the weirdest voice I've ever heard <laughs> or whatever. It's just <laughs> random. It's totally random and funny. Um, and in season two, in case you're interested in watching, you don't need to have watched season one because the only continuous character is Jennifer Coolidge's character, who is an absolute rich, 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 you know, money will never be an issue in this woman's life. And she uh, stayed at one White Lotus Hotel in season one and, you know, did all what she did. And then in season two, it's just her going. It's another vacation for her going to another White Lotus. But the entirety of the rest of the cast is all new. Um, and they're all remarkable. It's it's just an incredibly told story. I it's think. a. Uh, I'm going to draw some more parallels here because I think that's what I do. I, I think I loved analogies when I was taking the SATs. I was mm. like, give me more because I'm going to just draw parallels. You're the to, only to one. Everything. You and Danielle. Because yeah. Danielle is, she does that. So I said, you know, Mike White drawing on his past in Survivor. I am going to say that White Lotus is very much um, American Horror Story, but in a drama uh, resort. Dramedy, I would say. Like, it's still, it's like funny. Yeah, yeah. Because I, like, it, it has these big stories that are being told um, inside of all of these smaller narratives that are that are happening but that they are very distinct but there is some slight crossover between them and like this universe um but you're sort of like and it's smart as a writer yeah to do that because you get a fresh paint like a, a clean slate every yeah. time that you start and you don't have to really worry about tying up loose ends or how does this fit and you yeah. can lean into the things that you do want to but you're not obligated to do that love that i love that you're 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 kind of announcing the direction in which you want to go but at any point you can just reverse course or hard left yeah. or hard right um and in this case I now do that agree. being said i think american horror story went off the rails but at least from the seasons that we saw in yeah. the later part but i i still feel like in the beginning that was a that was a pretty revolutionary show the anthology um, aspect of it for sure was the, sort of a unique season long story. and the first like three seasons were really iconic I totally think. And, and i it, if i get a third season of white lotus that is like of this caliber i will be happy if i get a fourth season i mean we're just being the 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 mole people in the sky are just giving us far too much Mm -hmm. far 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 too much um the current climate of the show is funny because it's like like chris said about the stakes they're really not that high in the grand scheme of what we know it's all these interpersonal relationships where there's like um alcohol abuse there's drug abuse there's like sex addiction there's prostitutes there's 
all sorts There's of a, like, like marriage drama, marital yeah, issues. It, in my mind, it's sort of, I, it's the craziest thing to say normal issues. But what I mean is these are like things that people deal with things every that day. People deal with every day. Exactly. And the way it's just maneuvered and the, the way the story's brought yeah, up and told. You said fun. something. Yeah. You said something. And just from a, like from a cinematography standpoint, you said something when we were watching the episode yesterday, um, the camera direction, when they're telling these stories, you'll sort of see that they are flying over some characters who, you know, well, because their stories are told to, and then leaning into the characters that they're going to focus on for that scene. But what you really like are being told as that camera work is being done is like, that other drama from that other those other cast members is happening in the background yeah and i think it's like it's it's nuanced but it's like it, it's a cool way to sort of show make the the show feel like you're kind of in it yeah like it's world like building and it's lived in like i feel like it's a real world that exists and that if you were in that scene sitting that next to that chair you would know oh you would totally on. yeah your ears would be perked up oh sure. my god i mean i don't like i i've read a tweet you know just r.i.p that said that there was someone who wishes that this show existed 24 7 that we had like big brother cameras so we can access it and watch like all of the drama unfolding and that also they wished that there someone said how cool would it be if there was like a really elaborate theme park situation where you go for a weekend and stay at a white lotus and like paid actors are there to create drama amongst themselves. That sounds like Westworld. Totally. And, oh my God, it's totally Westworld. That sounds like Westworld. And that, that is 100% Westworld. I want to just keep drawing, drawing parallels. Wow. And you know that I would live for that. If I'm sitting there eating breakfast and I just see Jennifer Coolidge like crying to her assistant about how her husband left her for another whatever. Amazing. I am absolutely you know, here for it. What's so interesting about jennifer coolidge is that i distinctly remember her as we were growing up and when she was like famous i i guess that was her first real breakout movie stifler's mom was I mean? as stifler's mom yeah. in american I, pie i mean i want to say that as well but i mean we're children in compared yeah so i don't know i, don't I mean know. keep us honest if that's not the case you can uh yeah. send us hate mail to um the real airstreamers at gmail.com she could have been like a superstar before that and then we see her but at stifler's mom yeah and we're, and we're like, like oh, oh my god stifler's mom but she pretty much looks exactly the same 100 percent. she looks exactly the same and, and know, i think she's the same person in all <laughs> oh 100 but, but she, what's so weird is i say that that she's the same person in all of her roles but she's not like she's distinct in each of her roles. Like I think so the things that I know her from Stifler's mom, I know her from broke girls. Um, I forget who she was in that. Two broke girls was Two the broke girls. maid service person, I think. And then I know her from white Lotus. Yeah. Um, and wasn't she in uh, uh, legally blonde or something? Yeah. That's how I know her from. And but I feel like or well, I should respect. No, I know him from Stifler's all mom, the other like, stuff. Yes, but when I think of her, I think of the bend and snap from um, Legally Blonde. See, I think of her as uh, two broke girls. Which I is don't, weird. I feel like that's sad. I know. I but feel like that's, that's sad for her. I feel like mm, 
like Kuhima. that was a popular show though it was but i don't think it's a good show i think it's a real low I, you know I what think i don't think she cares people. i legit don't think she cares i think she's just having a good time and she's doing her thing she gets a paycheck and even though she won an Emmy for White Lotus, for White didn't Lotus. She? I think that was her first one. Yeah. And I think that's Side nice. Note, and I'm folks, sure she's if anybody's listening. Be aware. We don't know what we're talking about. So half of what's happening right now could be very much made up in terms of rewards and things. But what I'm saying is, yeah, I'm sure she was probably like happy and called her mom and said, I just won an Emmy. Yeah. Um, and that's great. But I think that she's legitimately just doing it for fun and getting a paycheck because I feel like she presents as like she's having fun when she's doing yeah. these roles. But you think she actually is? I think she is. Do you think she gets nervous? I don't think so. I don't think she gives a shit. So do you think when she like, because look, I'm going to, we always have to make things about ourselves, right? Because that's just human nature. Yeah. So if I end up, having a big moment the following day the day before i'm nervous i'm ner you know I'm trying to forget about what's going to happen tomorrow i have that anticipatory anxiety i wake up in the morning i'm still feeling a little bit nervous and you're really just thinking only about that thing you have to do and that thing could be something as stupid as like i don't know there's something going on at work and i want to make sure i do a good job which is low stakes compared to like the acting world. Do you think she feels any of that anticipatory anxiety of like, I need to do well tomorrow because my job relies on it. And so I need to make sure I do the best. Or Look, do you think she okay, literally so you say, up? make it about us and, and I'm going to just draw from my experience mm -hmm. in that in the acting world, in the acting world. Of course I'm yeah. a, you know, I, I let her have that Emmy. Yeah. They really wanted to give it to me, but I, I let her have it. It was That's, like, don't, fine don't lie to people. It's that you knew if you came, if you applied for that role, you would have gotten I that Emmy gotten and it. you felt bad for everyone else. So you chose not yeah. to apply. Yep. But uh, uh, what I, what I was going to say is that as a, a younger person, when I was growing up, I felt much more of that. Like that I, I need to be on an upward trajectory and like continue to, to be better and grow. I get it. And that, that created anxiety for, I need this to go well. I need to do better. I need to blah, yeah. blah, blah. And I'm, I'm going to say, because it's my experience, it's also her experience oh, and that yeah. she maybe felt that early on in her career. But then as you kind of do these things and you realize that, each individual event isn't as important and that it's the grander picture that matters that some of that or a lot of that anxiety goes away at least for me yeah i get and that and so i wonder if she sort of feels the same thing having been established she has her audience people love her i don't think anybody i i've ever talked to said anything bad about her nope so I think she kind of like feeds off of that. The gays love and her. The gays love her. Absolutely. I mean, I love that they even incorporated that into the show, which is hysterical. That Mike yeah. White was like, we are going to build you this, build you up on this pedestal of all these, supported by all these gays below you. It's so funny. It is. It's kind of on the nose. I love it. Yeah. That's the thing about that show. 
but I, yeah, I mean, I think that she's probably just having a good time. That's how, that's my take on it. I think she's genuine. And when people are genuine in their roles, they get recognized even more and it's becomes like a snowball effect. Yeah. I get that. You know, like when Luke Skywalker became, or Mark Hamill was like, became a Jedi. Mm. Then he was like, by like episode five, he was like a Jedi. Mark Hamill. Oh yeah. What did I say? No, like Mark Hamill in, in the, in the world of yeah. Earth was a Jedi. Yeah. He became a Jedi in 1980. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then everybody recognized it and they just loved him from that, from there on in. People went to see him move things with his mind. Yeah. People went to see his saber skills. Yep. His uh, light sword or whatever. Yeah. What do they call it? Laser sword. That's what it is. Yeah. I want to touch on something you said about this idea of like, as you get older, you do stuff and, and you get more comfortable with it. Um, in terms of anxiety, one of the things that my therapist once said was something along the lines of when you get, when you are in a position where you're nervous and then you overcome that thing, you've now established you can do that thing, whatever that thing is. And so going forward, that next time you do it, it's important to remind yourself not to lean into like, am I going to be anxious again? But am I going, not am I, I did it. I have done I it. I have done it. Yeah. So I will do it again and I will be fine doing it again, which is reminds me of this thing you said about Jennifer Coolidge and how when she's, you know, we're, we, we're talking as if we're literally friends with her at this point, but we don't know if she's anxious or not, but maybe it could be that she's just done it so many times, just like a seasoned a person in any role uh, in any position would do, you know, I'm an eight year teacher. Now my observations are nowhere near as anxiety inducing as they were. Exactly. Exactly. You know? So it's, yeah. And I totally get that. And I think maybe she is just having fun and we get to reap the rewards of her joy. Yeah. Like, so (laughs) I'm going to go back to the example that you said where she walked by the, the, the waiter and, um, or the, the host of of the restaurant, the smallest scene in the whole episode. Yeah. But it's so worth calling (laughs) out and and it's not a spoiler. So it's nice to talk about on the podcast, but when she walks past the, the host, um, at, at the restaurant and says, that's the weirdest accent I've ever heard. I even wonder is was that uh, a scripted line or was that her just saying it as a joke and making a joke and the and and Mike White was like that's genius we we're keeping keep it, in it. There. she didn't say that probably happens more voice. than yeah she said that's the weirdest voice I've ever heard yeah but, right know, right 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 which yeah. is different she that didn't call is, out yes. on the person's accent like like regionally. as if he's acting poorly yeah it's just no a weird voice. she just said what is that guy's toad voice all about you know but i agree with you that i bet it was that unscripted and that's when, when i love to hear that those route, stories too. I, love I love those it. they're so intriguing because it's just it's so nobody you can't write just the natural stuff and it just becomes so uh i wish there's more of that and i don't know how much there is because i haven't yet uh cracked open my acting roles Mm. um but i i i hope that there's a lot of that going on because i I feel like that's really like the actors owning their craft i think that people would trust you like if you did decide to go into the acting world because yeah. you know, you're you're holding in this this incredible and you're kind of talent. putting your own stamp on it, yeah. right? You're you're playing. You're not just doing the role and like reading the lines and 
and acting how you think you should be acting. You're actively contributing to the to the story. I know. It's remarkable. Um, the show is also prone to many memes, like many small little memes that I've seen with like that line I've seen with the, that's the weirdest voice ever. I've seen the guy when on, um, what was it? Drinks for gays or whatever. He, it's the two guys in bed who are like not gay, but they act real weird together. And he's like, I want to be inside you. I want to make you feel good. That thing yeah. is also like a memed thing. There's a, so many little moments and I love it. I think it's so great. Yep. You know? So I'm looking forward to the remainder of the season. We How far may, along are we? That was only episode four. So if there's at minimum like eight, I'm here for it. Maybe there's more. Who knows? But I'm curious if there will be a grander storyline present. Because right now it is very small, you know? Yeah. I mean, I see a couple of things that I, I, uh, I, I look into my crystal ball and I think like this is where they're sort of setting us up. Um, but I would love if they just came in and sort of shocked us in the end and mm -hmm. like something happens and it was like, I agree. we are sitting here having this podcast and saying, this show is so relaxing and it's like just an enjoy, like enjoyable to watch. And then, something and then if some bomb comes and like, it just cascades from all of the stuff that has been set up by, by Mike white prior. It would be really great. So what I'm hearing you say is that you're expecting that, uh, uh, pterodactyl is going to come out of the forest mm -hmm. and snatch Jennifer Coolidge and throw her, her wig. Yeah. Her wig mm -hmm. and throw the wig into the ocean. Mm -hmm. But that wig then is caught by fishermen and since they, they catch it, body. they they kept looking for the body. But when they caught the wig, that it took a lot of time to untangle that from the fishing hook. Yeah, and now fish is off the menu at White Lotus, and everybody's starving. Yes, that's season three. Everybody's starving, and then it becomes the Walking Dead in White Lotus, where everyone is just trying to get a meal in, but yeah. they became zombies. Because they didn't get their food and they yep. started eating each other. Speaking mm -hmm. of, the show ended yesterday. I'm just like, or whenever, I don't know, a couple days ago, but. Oh, ridiculous. still going? 19,000 seasons. And then you know what else? It ended, air quotes. And then there was like a little tagline at the end with like. Um, didn't AMC make enough money off of that? The You know, the guy. That didn't they not pay some of them? Like there was a fight with AMC not paying some of the actors. Oh, geez. I don't know. It's a whole other podcast. We need to we need to dateline this. Now. Yeah. So what's the main guy? You know, the main guy. That we've yeah, Rick. Seen? Rick and Carl. Yeah. So Rick and Michonne, who have now long since been gone from the show. Oh, Rick has been gone, gone from the show. But a million years ago. And Michonne too. And they both came in together at the end, apparently, for like a scene. Spoiler alert, but this is like the tag at the end of the credits, which was mostly just there as a vehicle to show off their new show. So there's a new show with them that's happening. And there's four or five, I think. That is in the same setting or a different That is show? in the same world. Oh, God. Yeah, right? What's Isn't left it to be exhausting? Told? I mean, we're going to be a hundred years old and there will still be walking dead. You know, it's, it's unbelievable. Well, you know, I feel like they bought all of those zombie suits and they really just need to, to cash in and return profit. on investment. Yeah. Final thing I'm going to say, I read today that James Cameron said that for avatar two 
to make profit, it has to become the th- the third or fourth highest grossing movie of all time. That's some risky business. Wow. You know? But it, he he's doing multiple movies, right? So, so what is, he said, he's saying that he's pushed a lot of the expense into two and then three and four and five or whatever are going to be less expensive because he's already bought the equipment that he needs to make the movie. He's at a point now, this is so left field right now, but so interesting. He's at a point where he's basically said, if this movie does do well, like let's say it is fourth highest, third highest, whatever, he will continue to do more. If this movie bombs, which I don't think it will, but if it does, this may be it. And then like the money's lost and that's sort of it. Which uh, studio is it? Do you remember? No, I don't. But um, he's a huge investor in the money, I think. So there will be a scenario here where up to five movies will be made. Look, I'm going to say it. I loved Avatar 1. Loved. I did too. I'm probably in the minority for saying that, and we're probably going to get blocked and reported. Oh, people don't like it? It made a ton of money. I know, but then people are all elitist and like, well, it's just this story. It's just Pocahontas and the blah, 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 blah. It's just, uh, I don't know. Yeah. Is it Pocahontas? I think so. I think so. But Or something like that. But people just dismiss the work and effort put into that movie for what it is. I mean, you can say that everything is like a parable. I agree. And I, to me, I enjoyed three hours of that movie and I left the theater thinking um, I loved it. That's what that, what's that? That's what matters, you know? Yeah. So for me, except after, for cats, that's trash. Well, I mean, we agree it was trash. It's not like we walked into it, loved it, and then secretly said it was trash. Or secretly loved it and then said it was trash. That is trash. That Mm -hmm. is a hot dumpster fire trash. (laughs) Um, But if Avatar 2 makes money, we are then treated to 3, 4, and 5. What are they going to do? Babies? Avatar babies? Yeah. Digital babies. Yeah. They're going to be the DLC. (gasps) They're going to be the new technology because babies never had a chance to act because, like, of the rules and stuff. Because, you know, you're not supposed to, like, overwork your baby, apparently. Uh, Yeah. So maybe they'll do something. So many with regulations. That. I know. Geez. So anyway, that's a lot. I we think we were did it all over the place. I know, but you know what? That makes for some great entertainment. Yep. And Jennifer Coolidge and Jennifer Coolidge. DM us. We'll on? have you on the show. We love you. We would love to have a chat with you. So if you are listening, or rather, when you get to listening to this, please email us at therealairstreamers at gmail so that we can. Uh, have you on we would love to have you on i think that's a wrap and with that said thanks folks for tuning into another episode of the airstreamers podcast and we will see you next time bye everyone see ya bye Bye.